excited to interview one of my colleagues and team members, Erin Telness, who is a registered psychologist with Synthesis Psychology, helping people improve their sleep challenges. Erin also works with numerous organizations and leaders through humans and has firsthand experience looking at the impacts of stress and sleep challenges on people's organizational lives and performance at work. So Erin and I are going to discuss habits and practical tips for a healthier night's sleep to promote your health, happiness, and success in work and life. Welcome to the episode, Erin. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm really looking forward to this. Awesome. So how did you become interested in this topic of sleep, Erin? So for me, there's a few different angles I look at this as. So I really became interested in sleep first and foremost because over the course of my, my academic training, like basically my 20s, I was chronically underslept and ultimately in perpetual sleep debt. And then I transitioned as in, as I transitioned into a professional role to being well slept. And it was like, it was game changer. It was just like, how did I go this long? How did I go close to a decade or more being completely underslept to being well slept and going, oh, this is how life should be. And it feels good and it's rewarding and it's positive. So that was one angle. And on the other side, I met and interacted with a lot of family members and just people, some of my clients even just chronically struggling with sleep for various reasons and so and ultimately finally like having clients who present with mental health concerns that seem to be compounded by struggles with sleep and so it it was really motivating for me on a lot of different fronts to really understand what goes into sleep and how to best not only behaviorally but cognitively help people get better sleep and manage their sleep habits and improve the quality of their sleep ultimately yeah, really well put, Aaron. And I think uh, a lot of things go downhill when we don't get a good night's sleep. Everything seems all the worse. Um, so speaking of getting a good night's sleep, how can healthy sleep habits influence our wellness in both work and life? So when we're looking at how sleep habits influence our wellness in work and life, it's it's really about healthy sleep habits they it's about creating a consistent routine and that is really the foundation of good sleep and and creating those good sleep habits because when we involve engage ourselves in a really kind of consistent sleep routine we become much more productive at work we're much more effective and then it's also tremendously helpful in promoting greater optimism and overall positive mood so ultimately, and across both work and life, proper sleep can improve motivation and your overall mental and physical health. So it is one of those foundational things where when we're addressing a lot of things, a lot of stresses in our work and our life, we oftentimes try to address the symptoms of like, oh, I'm stressed or I'm anxious or I'm depressed. But fundamentally, if you actually work on getting good night's sleep, that can really dissipate and lessen the pressures and those other symptoms that you're experiencing. And, and, and so ultimately what a healthy sleep routine and healthy sleep habits do is they create a positive feedback loop where it gives you all these positive benefits and in return, the positive benefits will yield easier and better sleep. So it's like, if you can get good sleep habits, then you're gonna feel better. Because you feel better, you're gonna sleep better. 
And so and, and at the end of the day, another way to look at it is good sleep. Sleep habits are an investment that pays dividends moving forward perpetually. Wow, that's, that's again, excellent, uh, excellent uh, description there, Aaron. And I'm curious in particular, you've said how sleep really does improve our mood, our optimism, etc. What about our productivity? It, is the research really saying that I'm more productive if I get a good sleep? And why is that? So sleep is, is so profoundly beneficial to us because it allows us to, to use the entirety of our brain. So when we're underslept, we get into trouble because we get into a stress state. And so when we're stressed, cortisol is released in our body and it puts us into the state of fight or flight, or we're really focused on meeting our basic needs. And so when it comes to productivity, if all we're worried about is like, okay, I need to eat, I need to find a safe place to be, I need to sleep, right? We can't really do those higher order things like meet deliverables and go in and have a really effective meeting or present really well. So like, it really does come down to if we can sleep and get good sleep, our productivity boosts because it allows our brain to fully optimize and, and fully kind of address the environment it's in versus kind of go to a, a scarcity state where it's like, I have to like cut away all these other things and focus on what's my primal needs are ultimately. And Aaron, do you think many people value and understand the the importance of sleep and how much sleep to get? So that's basically a two-part question is how much sleep is the right amount of sleep? And do people truly understand the value of this and the impacts of this? So, so I'm hoping I can answer both parts of this question here. So remind me if I miss a part. Um, so first and foremost, thank you for asking that question about is there a perfect the magic number of sleep, because this is the first thing that I dispel in all of my sleep clients is no, right? We hear all, all around eight hours is a magic number. It is not. Let me say that again. Eight hours is not your magic number. So ultimately sleep and sleep needs of individuals can range on average between six and 10 hours a night, depending on who you are and what your needs are. And so this is for adults. So obviously as children, teenagers, there's, requirement of significantly more sleep because there's a lot more brain development going on, physical development, all of that when we're younger. But as adults, some people can feel completely refreshed and have good quality sleep at six hours. It will be as functional as someone getting eight or 10 hours. It just really depends on the individual. And so to answer your second part of your question around value or where we might struggle as a society around valuing sleep, so I think fundamentally what that is about is we grew up in an era where we were kind of indoctrinated and socialized to the idea that sleep is a waste of time. We are, we're losing out on product, productive hours and abilities to be successful when we're sleeping. So we should limit our sleep and be more productive. But that is so far from the truth. And I think slowly we're starting to shift away from that where actually to be successful you need a, enough sleep and, and and so i think really focusing on helping us value sleep more we need to just recognize that and and this is this is something that i'll, I'll likely talk a bit more later but it's the idea that we need to recognize and experiment with ourselves where it's like okay society says 
sleep less, you'll be more productive. It's like, okay, go a few days with, with limited sleep and see how productive, see how effective you are. And then for a couple of days or a week, maybe sleep enough and see how productive, how engaged, how effective you are. Right. And, and I would, I'd likely, I wager a pretty good sum of money to say that with more sleep, you're going to be more productive, more effective, and you're actually going to live life a lot more positively and, and enjoy it significantly more. That's uh, yeah, I, I definitely can attest to that myself. And I think sometimes people almost brag about, you know, I, I pulled an all nighter, right. And we used to do that maybe yeah. during university or, and, yeah. you know, yeah. and, or I worked, you know, I got four hours of sleep last night and it's almost something that they're, they're bragging about, but yeah, I mean, what's that doing to their, yeah. What's that doing to their ability to process and to think clearly? It can't be good. Yeah, it's it's profoundly impactful because if you think about it, and, and I was the same way going through university, I would do all-nighters, write papers, and I would still talk about it like it's a badge of honor until I sat back and started to do, I started to learn about sleep and really understand. I'm like, that. I was just punishing myself and just reducing my own ability to perform and my own ability to think critically. And so we find that when we should be sleeping the most is oftentimes when we sleep the least. And so it, it, it is something that we need to just slowly work on changing. Well, slowly and, and or quickly just get to that idea where it's like sleep is worth it. And because for so long, sleep has been something that we've tried to avoid in our society ultimately. And I have a lot of um, female friends who are in their 40s and 50s and I'm not and 60s and I'm noticing a trend with females in that age range especially having sleep challenges so um, is that a trend that uh, that you notice as well and the research points to um, sleep becoming more difficult for women as they age in particular or is it equal across men and women I think like as as we age across genders across men and women I think well, the research shows that we actually, our sleep quality reduces. So that's where I'm seeing some clients who are in their late forties, early fifties going, all of a sudden I'm, I'm only sleeping five hours. It's like, that's a natural progression. Like as, as children and toddlers, you're sleeping 16 to 20 hours a day kind of thing. But then that transition out of kind of middle age into kind of older ages, yeah, your, your sleep quality is going to go down. So you're more easily awakened, right? And so, so and, and ultimately, there's a lot more stresses at times too as we age, right? So you have kids potentially leaving home. So there's a bit more worries there. Family dynamics are changing and shifting. Work demands are increasing because as we age, ultimately our, our work roles become likely more stressful or, or they require more engagement, more attention. So I think ultimately... Yeah, as we age, sleep is going to be more challenging, but it's also absolutely more and more necessary because it's it's like a it's, it's sleep is the fountain of youth. I would say if you get good sleep for a good amount of time, like yeah, you can you're going to be healthier for longer and, and happier for longer for sure. Great, I definitely agree. So, what is your advice? You know, just maybe a couple of practical immediately applicable things that people who are struggling with poor sleep can do that might make an immediate difference. Yeah. So again, this is like 
this is some of my favorite things to talk about because it's kind of fun because some of it's counterintuitive to what most of us think about when we think about, oh, I need to get some sleep. So some of the things I really like to hide around the advice side of things is create a sleep routine. So ultimately have a wind down time before bed. So the way I describe it to my clients is don't just like run through your day and then jump, run into bed. Like that's the likelihood that you fall asleep right away is I would argue probably close to zero. So allow your body to transition, your brain to transition and unpack the day and then transition into bed, right? So whether that's having a bath, reading a book, doing yoga or stretches or anything like that, really just prepare, give your, give your body a window. We call it a buffer zone. And so, and ultimately along with that, go to sleep at the same time every night and wake up at the same time every morning. Now that's not Monday to Friday, that's Monday to Sunday and repeat. Now I know that's that's an idealistic world, but if you want good sleep, then the more consistent you can go to bed and wake up, the better off you'll be. And so another thing is, is go to sleep only when you're tired. So the idea of like, I need to be in bed at nine. It's like, why? Well, nine o'clock is a good time to go to bed, but you're not tired at all. You'll probably lay in bed for an hour or two or whatever awake. It doesn't do you any good. So again, go to bed when you're tired and get in those long blinks. So again, you see it with toddlers, eyes slowly, like going to bed then, right? You're yawning a lot. You feel that physical weight, go to bed then. And, and so here's a, a bit of the counterintuitive part of like getting better sleep is if you can't sleep and you can't fall asleep within 10 to 30 minutes, get out of bed. And so what I mean by this is you get out of bed and you reset in a comfortable place that isn't in your bed and isn't in your bedroom. So you go sit in a chair, go lay on a couch, and you just get yourself back to being sleepy again. And so, and then once you're sleepy, return to bed. So, and, and ultimately it's okay if this happens numerous times in the night. And so finally, then, and again, this is kind of counterintuitive, don't try to sleep. What we call this is sleep effort. So sleep effort is bad. And, and what that means is, is the moment you begin to exert effort, like, oh, I need to sleep, I need to sleep, I need to sleep, or I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to focus on sleeping, you need to get out of bed, you need to reset. Because what that's creating, that's creating stress, pressure, and anxiety to sleep, which are all things that activate our body, activate our brain. So again, sleeping should come naturally. We should be pulled into sleep, not try to force ourselves into sleep. No, that makes a lot of, of sense. And I noticed one, I guess, trend in society is a lot of people are watching series on Netflix, right? And they become addicted to the series. And I mean, I think we can all relate to this in one sh way, shape or form. But how has that impacted people's sleep habits? And yeah, for the better or the worse, I guess. <laughs> So when it comes to like, yeah, Netflix and just access to social media and just the inundation of information. Yeah, it's so the one myth that I like to dispel around like all the information that we're getting is the, the light on your screen isn't going to activate your brain. It isn't going to keep you awake because naturally as we age, our eyes yellow and that counteracts the blue light that we get off of screens. However, the the trick there is that what's activating our brain is focusing on new and novel content. So again, yeah, if you're really, really emotionally invested in a Netflix series or watching the news that's new, then your brain is active. 
right? And so that's why when I'm coaching clients around like, okay, improve your sleep and you might want to reduce kind of when are you going to stop and cut off and when you're watching screens or watching shows or on your phone, it's simply to allow your brain to disconnect, to unplug so that ultimately, yeah, you can have that downtime. So your brain isn't processing new and novel stimuli, which again is going to keep you awake longer. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of these tips and yeah, it's been a really good conversation, and I, I hope that a lot of the, the viewers and listeners can can relate uh, to some of these tips, and some of them are things you might already know, but it's good to get a reminder of, and some of them may be things that you can reset uh, or try to do differently and see if that makes an impact on your ability to focus, be engaged, be joyful, and, and feel well in your work and in your life. So thank you very much uh, for this part one interview and join us in two weeks time for our part two, where we'll continue to discuss this topic of sleep and how sleep relates to work-life wellness. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.